Welcome to the Savings Guru podcast. I'm joined today by Kevin Mountford, who's the co-founder and chief executive of Raising UK. Welcome, Kevin, and thanks for Thank joining us. Thanks for having me. Good to speak to you. Perhaps you can tell us a little bit about the the history of, of Raising UK and, and how you've come to be involved in the business. I set up a business around about six years ago, aimed mainly at kind of smaller challenger banks, helping them to kind of digitise their savings proposition back in the days when clearly passporting was, was fairly prominent, so access into European markets was, was available. And the aim was to, to build origination platforms and then on behalf of the banks push those out through various means. We were very aware that there were, I suppose, competitors or other solutions emerging out of Europe. And from a Plan B point of view or PBF point of view, we reached a point maybe end of... 2016 into 2017 where we needed to expand on our kind of proposition and that was very much then looking at taking a I guess more involvement in terms of the onboarding of customer processing of applications and effectively a, a deposit under management type model yeah so as is often the case you need funding and we we'd go out you know door knocking and we had some interested parties but at the same time there was also as I say platforms coming out of Europe and they were very keen to develop a UK footprint. There's some obvious differences, currency, one, legal aspects, another, and there was this kind of Brexit on the horizon. And conversations kicked off with one or two, and ultimately, September 17, we did a deal with Raisin GmbH, and they'd been in the market equally for about six years, and were building up quite a kind of momentum behind them, and, and there were a lot of synergies in there. And uh, the fit for me was more than just financial support, etc. It was also down to the people. And we really liked the guys. It's been a hugely successful model in, in Germany. Mm. What made them look at the UK market? What was attracted them to, to come here? What, you know, why, why, I guess, why the UK next? Yeah, so, I mean, if, if you look at it at the high level, then the UK is maybe the second biggest market in Europe for retail savings. Um, second to Germany. There are lots of differences. So first and foremost, the three founders from Raisin GmbH, all ex-McKinsey's working in financial services, realised that German savers were getting a bit of a poor deal because of the interest rates and the prevailing rates in the market compared to some of the other European jurisdictions. So because there was a common currency with Euro at the time, and because effectively there's one set of regulatory guidelines, they realised that they could give German savers the opportunity to access banks from other countries on a single platform. And that just built out to an extent where Raisin's in about 30 different countries now. UK was very different for a number of reasons, but it was a sizable market. And I think from Raisin's point of view, they needed to create scale outside of Germany because the value, the future value of the business as a pan-European or even global business is very much different than a pure German-centric one. So they came knocking on the door, as opposed to starting afresh. We were well-connected. We already had clients. We were in the same space. So in terms of kind of, as I say, that land grab that was going on, they believed acquiring PBF gave them um, some momentum. But we are seeing some differences in the behaviour the competitor nature of the UK is different, but so far so good. You're two and a half years in now, pretty much. Yeah, we've acquired, 
September 17. Yeah. Interesting, we announced the deal maybe several hours before we'd signed contracts. <laughs> but that's the nature of the beast. But then we we rebranded, we, we kind of re-engineered a number of things from a technical point of view and also built out the team. Yep. So we didn't launch until the summer of 2018. So I guess in terms of being active in the market, it, it's just over 18 months. And how's it gone for you? How have you, how have you found it? I, I wouldn't say it's been a roller coaster, but there's certainly been challenges and we've kind of faced each of those and overcome them. You know, even though we'd got, I guess, some momentum coming out of Raisin in Europe, it had already been recognised as a leading fintech. And we could kind of, I suppose, as I say, benefit from their coattails. We're building a new brand in the UK. Yeah. You're convincing banks that the platform is a way forward and obviously, you know, the cost of, of, of engaging and also building up a consumer presence. And that's why we turned our attention to distribution partners. So we have kind of different stakeholders including the service providers that we work with. We've already gone public saying we hope to pass the billion pound mark in 2020. Yep. We've got 20 odd thousand customers. We added our 14th bank yesterday, which was Cambridge and Counties. And we've got a number of distribution partners. So we've worked with ClearScore, Legal and General. We launched with Moneys and Yolt. And we've got two really exciting new distribution partners launching mid towards end of February and in terms of scale then they'll completely you know change the landscape for us that then gives us credibility in the market and what we're finding now in terms of the supply of customer and money coming from these distribution partners we now need banks with more recognized brands and bigger balance sheets but they're starting to knock on our door because they just want to be associated and take advantage of the new distribution capability we're introducing you have a really interesting kind of place in the market because you, you you sit both sides of it you've got um you've got your relationship and your your work you do with the banks but also as you mentioned twenty thousand customers you've got a big big consumer mm. presence as well how how do you how do you manage that how do you balance that, that do, you, do you find there's conflicts with with that um do you, do you have separate teams or how, how do you uh how to kind of balance the competing interests there so first and foremost we aim to give value to the end user, so the consumer, regardless of whether they're coming from raisin branded activity or through third parties as a consequence of a, a white label setup. Ultimately, the contribution from those, and we are pretty agnostic in terms of where the traffic comes from, builds up a deposit under, under management type business model yeah. for us. If it's a white labeled third party distribution, then in terms of the kind of look and feel, customer comms, that's a responsibility to the distributor. We're providing them with a service, I guess. On the other side, we've obviously got the deposit-taking entities, banks, building societies. And to an extent, we, we kind of stick to the, the legacy PBF business where we really try and micromanage those relationships, mindful of the fact that kind of too little for a bank or too much for a bank is a challenge. So we know what traffic's coming through, how that's performing in terms of conversion, average balances, etc. And there is a consultative aspect around what the bank wants, what kind of product and pricing they'll need to, to achieve that. Um, so it's just managing that supply and demand. But ultimately, if we get that right, and then in terms of kind of customer service, regardless of source, you know, that, that's our primary aim, really. And we continually look to kind of refine that. But as I say, we've got some big ambitions. 
the billion will be the next kind of milestone. Yep. Thereafter, we want to expand the product reach. We currently do fixed term deposits and notice accounts. We'll be hopefully entering into the easy access space in quarter one. We've got a bank that we're onboarding. But then it's right. really about focusing on getting the basics right. Yeah. You mentioned uh, moving into other other areas and you talked about gaining credibility. I mean, if, in essence, it's um, it's quite a simple proposition for, for savers. You, you open one account and you, you've got a marketplace of of banks that that are there to to choose from you haven't got to go to you know, shopping around all over the place to try and find the the best deals you've you know, got everything under one roof if you like you, you know as you start to expand your your capability on that it, it, to, to a saver i'd say it looks like a pretty good model so why, why do you think the platforms and the marketplaces that are in the market haven't haven't cut through as much yet do you think it's still we're in the infancy and it's something that we are going to see sort of increasingly play a bigger role or, or are there some challenges that you think need to be addressed in the market to to get there uh i mean there's always challenges w- with anything new I, I spent many years at a leading price comparison website yeah and we got to a point even in the cash savings arena and okay there was a real clamor for deposits from the banks but i think we transacted something around 10 billion one year Savers are quite active naturally and kind of looking around. I think there's something like eight times more savers than borrowers. And yeah. even, you know, with fixed-term deposits, they like to be able to kind of touch and feel their kind of savings portfolio. It's kind of hygiene factor around it. But subsequently, there's a high degree of kind of apathy and inertia in, in the market where people, in the majority of cases, are better not even getting base rate on, on their return. And I think it's been a difficult market for some years. I think it is starting to change. There's a number of reasons for that. The base rate increase, the last one. Reduction in inflation means you can get a positive return. That's one thing. I think now the competitive nature of the market with a lot of new challenges that are in kind of specialist lending, low operations costs so they can put bigger spreads in. And the fact now that a lot of the, I guess, support from the government, funding for lending, et cetera, has disappeared the banks and building societies are having to stand on their own two feet. So regardless of what area they're in from a lending perspective, they're all fishing in the same pond. So that suddenly reaches a point where consumers now are waking up. So the question is, where do they go? So as I say, we're used to shopping for financial products in comparison websites. My own personal view, with the exception of, say, insurance and maybe energy, they have not really evolved you know, you go onto a comparison website, it's a static page. Yeah. Okay, it's ranked by rate. There might be a bit of commentary around it. But you click out, fill an application, come back, whatever. And a bit like the current account switch service, there's a perceived barrier that switching is difficult. So our primary aim is to um, overcome that. So as you say, it's a single application, single AML KYC check. The money flows into the marketplace of, of Raisin and then the individuals can deposit money wherever. Now, that's either because they want to spread the risk under FSCS limits, it's because they want to put money in different banks for different reasons or different products, but they effectively have access to a dashboard. Going back to what I said earlier, they can see their portfolio in a single place. So it's early stage, but I do think it will evolve, and quite interestingly now, even the consumer press are writing about you know, the platform providers Last year, I think there was a two-page spread in the Sunday Mail 
um, written by Jeff Pressridge about four of the platforms. And it was comparing a kind of deposited 250K spread across however many banks. And, and we came out, well, yes, um, we're not charging that. the customer. You know, you might argue, well, we're charging the banks. But ultimately, price is not the be all and end all, but but kind of return on cash is it still important. So it's simplicity of use. It, it's the right communication, kind of relevance of, of offer to the right customer. And then obviously it's choice, which hopefully gives a, a better return than people have been used to. You mentioned the billion pound target for for this year get through through that barrier. I mean that would put you in the in the realms if you were a bank of being a you know a reasonably sized challenger bank. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a pretty psychological mark for um, the challenger banks I've I've worked with to, to reach that and, and usually once they're through that they fly. Is that is that your kind of hope <laughs> that, that it has a sort of snowball effect when you get to that that mark that I, I think there's a number of factors and you were asking earlier about the difference with, with the German model. I mean, when Germany launched, I think the first bank they brought to the German platform was from Bulgaria. And there was a big question, well, you know, is a German savvy saver going to invest the money? But they did because of this compensation scheme, um, kind of protection, etc. So what what I think we will achieve once we get to these kind of milestones is is around credibility. We're already finding, as I say, increased demand from distributors that want a cash saving solution. And we've proven our technical setup can provide that. But as we expand on that, then banks are saying, well, we need to diversify. We want to look at alternatives. If we're on board with you, we now feel that you can give us the kind of deposit flows that justify the onboarding process. And so we've gone from, as I say, maybe smaller exotic banks that want five million a month to people that want 50 million to 100 million a month. So as long as we manage the balance between the two, then... Um, but that one billion is just another step in the journey, and hopefully, as you say, it, it will build on accordingly. But if we do look at the German business, they have brokered something I bet approaching nearly twenty billion of euros now. So that kind of exponential growth, the stickiness of the deposits on the platform, helped to kind of build on those numbers quite quickly. You mentioned earlier about some of the sort of effectively regulatory change the end of some of the, the, the funding schemes that the, the government has put in place and the Bank of England. You know, the the latest thing to come come out of the FCA is the single easy access rate, which uh, I'm sure you've got an, uh, got an opinion on. So I understand the sentiment. Yeah. I mean, I've been around long enough. I remember, I think there were kind of cat standards that the regulators wanted to bring in when I was at the Bank of Scotland. And the problem being, I actually think we've got good, healthy competition. And I think by bringing in a minimum rate, it may help to overcome the fact that some customers just can't be bothered. Not everybody does save for rates. The concern for me is these businesses are still managing performance regardless of anything else. And if on one hand, that kind of profit's been eroded because of a minimum standard rate, somebody else somewhere is paying for it. Yeah. I think what we need to do is continue the education at an early stage. Financial well-being, I think, is important. Demonstrate to people that they can make more of their cash, whether it's a small business or whether it's an individual. But as I say, there's certainly choice. We, we previously had the debate around introductory bonuses. Yeah. And you could argue that if you were savvy enough, you could use those bonuses to your advantage. You know, take take them whilst they're there and then move move elsewhere. 
So I'm not saying that raisin addresses the concerns, but it goes some way, as I say, to helping people by having a single application. So uh, we'll have to wait and see. I, I think in terms of the FCA initiative, it's, it's going into consultation now. That's right. It's been talked about for a while. Um, as I say, there's a lot more savers than borrowers. And I think people do deserve an opportunity to get a decent return on hard-earned cash, on cash. And they've not had that for a number of years now. So on one hand, I would welcome anything that helps that. But as I say, maybe the, the, the cynic in me believes that somebody else will be paying for it somewhere down the line. I think I, I kind of share your your sentiment. I think it comes from a well-intentioned place, but I think um, the, the proposals are, are ultimately flawed and the, either someone else will pay for it or, or the, the, the rate will be set from the big banks, which is ultimately where the FCA are mm. looking to kick the competition um, in, into gear. It will be set at such a low rate um, because they don't, they don't need to compete on it and they know they won't lose money that... Mm. I can't see it changing anything massively in the market. I, I would think for, for sat in your shoes that I I think it would say probably anything that shines a light on on that won't won't be a bad thing for mm. for yeah. for you. And uh, and I guess that that's probably the hope from a, a saver's perspective. I have that uh, if it if it shines a light a little bit um, brighter, then that that won't uh, that won't do any mm. harm. Um, but I'm not sure it's going to have the uh, the, the ultimate effect that they're, they're looking for. And, and it's interesting, really, because, as I say, savers are naturally more active. You take a loan, you take a card, even a mortgage, and, and you've kind of served your purpose. Yeah. You know, So you, you're taking the money out for something else. People do save for different reasons, but as I say, I think they're just naturally interested. And both in my current role and previous roles, whenever there's news around savings in the market... You know, it could be a base rate change or whatever. You see traffic levels spike massively. So I agree, anything that draws attention to cash savings and value for money in that space has got to be a has got to be a good thing. Yeah, I I, I think so. I hope they are more successful, and I think they will be. No. A bit, but we will see. I I guess that probably leads me into something I, quite nice that I always like to uh, to ask, which is uh, if you're in the position of uh, Chancellor of the Exchequer for. <laughs> for a day what would be the thing you would do to, to change the savings market what would do what would be the big change you'd like to, to see implemented well i guess if you're officially chancellor then you need to balance the books so i would have to resist the temptation of giving savers everything that they wanted and and i do sense that from a political point of view whether it be boosting competition whether it be tax breaks the likes of ices etc They've all been a success. Uh, I find it weird that, you know, I go out and I work and I pay income tax and what I've got left, I save some of it and then you're even taxing me again. Mm-hmm. So so for most people, that that kind of penalty, I guess, is, has been removed. Um, but it is, it is difficult. I'd actually take it maybe to a different level. As I say, you know, where have we got a savings culture? Have we not? I don't know. There is always focus on the lending side. Um, I just think that from an early stage, education, um, money management, anything that can help. And you could argue the rise of technology, open banking, etc., is going to facilitate a, a lot of this. But unfortunately, I think from an end user point of view, it's more of a kind of long term evolution than a revolution. So I'm not avoiding the question. I'm just trying to think that I'd want to build a longer term plan. 
I don't think there's a magic wand that suddenly will change everything. You could suddenly say, right, what's the cost of increasing the tax break from 1000 to 2000 for instance? But are we then getting into the realms that it's only appealing to high net worths, whereas what we need to do is look at the, the kind of food chain further further down and, and help youngsters, young families, etc. It's a time when the likelihood is you're borrowing more, uh, maybe more than you can possibly you know uh, afford, balancing that about squirreling some money away and I quite like the idea of kind of jam jar mentality that people save for different things yes. and where we've been very much in that world of buy now pay later keeping up with the Joneses all of these kind of cliches whereas the idea of saving for something even if it's part contribution would be a big thing so as Chancellor I'd work with the wider cabinet and the rest of the, the party to try and think of financial services first and foremost from an educational, cultural perspective, and if the budget allowed us to add a few more tax breaks or whatever, then then so be it. You mentioned earlier about ICES. Is that something that uh, is on your radar for the for the platform? Is that something you're you're looking at or um, a natural extension of what you're doing? So our ultimate aim within the cash saving space is to be kind of number one destination site. I think that's easier to manage to measure than we're number one per se. We're not going to achieve that until we've got the full product suite. So we've got you know three months to five month five year fixed bonds. We've got notice accounts. We'll soon have easy access. Next thing then, whenever that may be, is a cash ISO solution. But for us to do it and do it properly, we we need to be able to automate transfers. Yeah, that's the big market. That's a tough bit. And that's where I think for most kind of adopters of ICES, that, that's the bit that they're looking at. We, we do a fair bit in terms of, you know, content and trying to um, educate people ar- around different things. And, you know, I'd love to go out talking about ICES, et cetera, but at the moment we couldn't deliver a solution. But, yeah, whether it be, you know, kind of late 2020 or early 2021, we'll definitely be doing something. Are there any other services or innovations you've got up your, your sleeves that you can talk about? If we look at the parent company, it's quite interesting how they've evolved from just cash savings in, into other um, relevant areas. So we, we had a deal where we're cross-selling ETFs um, through partnership with Vanguard, and, and that's really building up well. And interestingly, it's not cannibalising the cash. It's actually taking a, a bigger share of, of customers' wallets. Okay. They recently bought uh, an online um, pensions company. But they're six years on. Yeah. We're two years, not even that. So I think in the short, medium term, we won't be doing more than what I've just discussed. SME deposits and another one in the future. But we've just got to get the basics right. Got to continue to build out panel banks and building societies, distributors, give consumers an excellent experience. The one thing that has surprised our parent company that UK consumers are used to shopping online but they let you know if they're not getting the kind of service that they expect. (laughs) And so we really need to keep on top of that. And there's a load of investment over the next six months, just fine tuning the the, the process. And that's where we're going to focus most of our efforts. There's been a few companies in the deposit sort of marketplace come through. Do you think we're going to see more people come in? Do you think your, your sort of, you, you mentioned about your, you know, credibility of, of some of the partnerships you've got and, and getting to that billion pound number. Do you think um, things like that will also attract other people to look at the at the sector as a 
potential entrant or do you think the the kind of cluster of sort of half dozen companies that are in there at the moment will will, will sort of stay fairly consistent i guess if you look at it in cold light day that there's no real barriers to entry so somebody could set up a platform you know if they've got some cash behind them the question thereafter is is you know how the propositions differ if, if you take some of the um, existing platforms our model's quite different. Yeah. And as I say, we're very much focused on kind of B2C, albeit there is a B2B aspect to it. But if we prove that we can be successful in the UK, then I'm sure others are looking and thinking, why not? I think there's a number of organisations, particularly those in the wealth space, that'll be thinking, you know what, we, we need a cash solution from a defensive point of view, if nothing else. And so the question is, do they allocate resource and build? We've about to partner with a couple that no doubt have had that kind of debate and we've gone in and said look you know the problem is from a build point of view there's always a another project to focus on and it never gets to the level of prioritization so if we can develop a slick onboarding process and we've got an api that works then you know at least for a period of time why, why not kind of test it out in partnership and a do sense kind of collaboration partnership is starting to really cut through in a way that maybe it's not done for kind of 20 years. So it wouldn't surprise me if a another suddenly appeared, wherever that originated. But our job is really to focus on doing what we do and doing it well. And then the others can, you know. But, but also, I, I think as the sector grows, it will naturally get more attention. Yeah. So banks, distributors, consumers, no doubt regulators. And we've just, as I say, got to make sure that we've got a robust business model and uh, it, it ticks all the boxes. We've done a little bit of uh, crystal ball gazing uh, in, in that respect. So in terms of this kind of more general savings market, do you think we're going to see any any significant changes there over the, the next few years when rates are probably getting towards historic lows again? Do you, do you see much change from where we're at now over the next few years? I think it's been a difficult one. And, you know, if I had a pound for every time I kind of read commentary about interest rates going up or they're going down, even from the Treasury, it'd be very difficult. And and obviously, we've got kind of Brexit hanging over us still yeah. in terms of what the consequences of that are. Some would argue that the last base rate increase was purely to give us a buffer for a subsequent decrease post-Brexit. So I really, I really don't know. The one thing is, let's assume that from a, a, an economic point of view, things remain reasonably healthy and, you know, the, the various industries grow. That gives consumers more confidence. The competitive nature and the fact that more and more uh, providers are fighting in this retail savings pond should help to keep prevailing rates. I mean, I look at the rates now compared to Bank of England base rate and, and you can see that competitive nature means effectively they're artificially inflated. But there's still that kind of psychological tipping point that gets consumers to wake up or not, as the case may be. So I don't know. I think the one thing that possibly has disappeared is that continual up and down of bank base rate. And when I was in the industry, you would plot in several changes within your budgeting period. I'm sure some still do, but we're not seeing the volatility that we have in years gone by. So let's assume that normality does represent a few increases over the next few years, I don't think it'll be massive. But from where we are at the moment, you suddenly get into realms of one and a half, two percent. You know, that that seems to be fairly rich compared to where we are now. And from a very selfish saver's point of view, 
that would be good news. Yeah. And I think, as I say, that in itself would trigger increased activity. Unfortunately, it means the borrowers have to suffer on the other side of the fence, but it is what it is, I guess. Yeah, I, I think so. I think you, you mentioned there about the, the challenger banks. I think 2019 was a pretty uh, pretty quiet year on that front. Mm. Uh, but I think that's going to be corrected this year. I think we've already seen one new uh, new authorization in January, and I think we'll see we'll see a few more and, mm. and some of those that have been authorized but not yet appear enter the market, and that that can only be a good thing for mm. for savers because nobody is coming to the market yet with a strategy that isn't price led uh, in terms of savings yeah. acquisition so i think that will that will help provide some some support but i agree with you i think we're l- looking at a fairly slow move upwards over a period of time yeah. i can't I can't see any sudden changes to that the kind of new entrant bank is an interesting one because very often you know they're coming into the banking world because they are in primarily around the borrowing side, the lending side, yeah. and and they very often are, are in different markets, and yet they suddenly want to develop a savings infrastructure. I would argue there's no need because it's a means to an end, and the likes of of Raisin and others are giving that organisation the capability to raise deposits without having to invest in people, brand, and all that kind of thing. So, I think it's an interesting one, but ultimately, you know, if that flow of new entrants continues over time then as i say it keeps you know that that an interesting dynamic in terms of the competitor space you know i think back to again my aggregator days that one minute there's a bank that's sitting mid-table no doubt they've come into work the day after and realize the number one so yeah. you know those organizations need to keep very close to what's happening because you know suddenly flows are too high or too low there's a cost implication so as the market is quite dynamic in that sense and you know, these businesses need to keep very close to it. Yeah, I think it's um, it's certainly an exciting time to mm. to be in, involved. I think a market that was very kind of stayed for for many years has has become a lot more exciting in the past few years. Yeah, well, we had our fingers crossed for quite some time waiting for these moments, but um, hopefully, it continues to to grow to the extent that it has done of late. Well, I think so. I'm sure that's what savers were hoping for. Yep. It's, been a, it's been a pleasure, Kevin, as always, to catch up. Thanks for your time. And I look forward to seeing the uh, the billion pound milestone announcement well, um, as soon as possible. Yeah, well, we've announced it now, so adds a little bit of pressure, doesn't it? It, but, does, um, it does. But thank you for your time. Really, really enjoyed catching up. Cheers, Kevin. Thanks very much. Mm-hmm.